Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Hi. Hello. How's everybody doing? Amen. You know, I, I, uh, I just, I sense, I, I feel like I, not that I heard a voice, but I feel like I, I hear the Lord talking. You know, you can, you can understand God's talking to you a lot of times when you have thoughts that are, that are just smarter and nicer than you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's the Lord. And, but, uh, and then smarter too, you know. But um, I just feel like uh, there's something profound about this church. Mm-hmm. That there's a, um, even start talking about it, you can just sense the Holy Spirit. This is true. He's saying this is true about this place. That there is an expansion of influence over this region. And this church is key in bringing the gospel, actually a hub for bringing the gospel in this community, definitely, and making a huge impact in this community, but also uh, a hub in bringing the gospel far beyond the borders of your county Amen. and even your state and even the country. And there's people in this church that you, you've come in here, and when you, when you came into the, into the presence of uh, Brianne and Josh's leadership, you felt home. You felt something happen where you said, oh, this is home. You've, you sense that because it's in God's divine order for you to be a part of what's going on here. And as you just decide just to, to rest in that, just to let that happen, the giftings and the callings and the abilities that, are in, that God has deposited inside of you will begin to flow so that you can function in your intended place in this congregation. And uh, the, the leadership has something on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, both of these couples right here have something uh, very um, interesting. I think I don't know how to describe what I feel in my spirit, except for the word "big." Big. And so I I want to just release by faith um, administrative gifts. Yes. Come and on. systems. To be able to steward growth and to keep a, uh, a sense of family, even as the, as the numbers double and triple and quadruple and etc. Administration, Holy Ghost administration and systems so that you're able to function in a tight community, even though the numbers increase. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And I just saw a grid when we were in worship. And, uh, and the grid was just all these interconnected lines of people all throughout this area. And I could just see that there's just little dots in the grid that were people from this church. And I could just see that everyone in this community is connected mm-hmm. by only a few relationships. What I'm saying is from God's perspective, this is actually easy. You can reach Boone. Yes, yes. You can reach Boone. You can do this. 
you can do this. And there is a supernatural emanation of Holy Ghost influence. And he is, there's angels working. There's things in play right now that have been, been in play for some time that are drawing people to come to not only get free here, but then to, mm. to, uh, to happen. People are coming here to happen. They're going to happen in this yeah, place. You're going to watch good. person after person after person happen in this place. You're just going to see them wake up to who they are. Some of them are going to happen in business. Some of them are going to happen Thank in, you, in, uh, in, you know, in the professional world. Some are going to happen in, in uh, art and music and all this stuff. Some are going to happen in ministry. But you're going to watch people. And you're some of those people say he's talking about me. He's talking about me. And others. Just in this atmosphere, you're going to grow up. And so I just want to bless that in Jesus' name. I just want to, I want to agree with that. I'd say, God, I agree with you. I agree with, yes. with you, Holy Spirit, with what you're saying. And I just thank you. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I just thank you for the breakthrough yes, in the lives you, and the families and marriages and relationships yes. that are already in play in this church. Yeah, come Amen. on. Amen. Did you get it turned on? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't hard. I just pushed the button. Oh. <laughs> Good morning. Do you mind turning me down just a little bit? Just probably the monitor. Oh, yeah, or just the monitor. I get nervous when I hear my voice really loud, although I really like to be loud, so I don't know. So we're so thankful. We're so happy to be here. You guys are so, you're so empowering, and you are like this ridiculous encourager. <laughs> like you have this supernatural gift of encouragement on you. We were talking about that, huh? If you want to. Um, there's something so powerful on that. You know, we all need to uh, make it our goal, like I was saying yesterday, I think, to be the most encouraging person that we know, because the grace of God rides on encouragement. And it just imparts it. But there's something on you that just is so, we were, we were talking about you last night. We were talking about you. Actually, we've been talking. We talk about you guys all the time. But, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so powerful. There's just, when you encourage somebody, it, you, it does something to them. It does something to them mentally. It does something to them emotionally. And it does something to them eternally. You can set a course to victory of somebody's life by choosing to see someone and intentionally encourage them. You know, you always hear people saying about, you know, gosh, why do we always give flowers when they're dead? I should have given flowers now. Well, yeah, you should give flowers now, but more you should just notice. Just notice somebody and release encouragement. Something that's so profound about encouragement is it doesn't take much it doesn't take an hour of praying in tongues to get that word from the Lord. Just recognizing and encouraging somebody. Say, hey, I noticed that you did this. And I just want to say, this is so, has blessed me so much. I love it when I delivered people and he healed people and he set them free and he showed them what leadership really was. Just a quick little side note. Jesus empowered people that we wouldn't even let hang out with our kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a picture of that. If you've ever disqualified yourself from any place of leadership, look at who Jesus empowered. He's standing next to his disciples, and they're ticked off about these people, and like, hey, let's call fire down from heaven. Let's kill them. And Jesus is like, mm, no, we're not doing that today. But then he sends them out by themselves. 
And if that's not enough, then he sends out 70 more by themselves. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And get around people that are encouragers who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Because when somebody believes in you more than you believe in yourself, you'll find yourself automatically walking at a higher level than you thought possible. You'll look back a couple of weeks later, a couple of years later, and you think, how did I get from there to where I am today? It's because somebody believed in you. And you weren't paying attention. Think what happens when you start paying attention to people who believe in you. When you start giving ear and listening to what they're saying about you and what the Lord is saying about you and you lean into what he says about you and you choose to partner with the word of God over your life, what can that look like? So we fight against the word of the Lord all the time by, gosh, I'm not good enough, that war that we have going on in our head. But, you know, it's easy to come and serve. How many people serve? I mean, you serve. The rest of you should be shamed. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We serve because we love the Lord. We serve because we love people. We serve because we love our kids. We serve because we love our husband. We love our parents. So we serve. But it's funny how a lot of times we think faithfulness is about serving. And although it is, so don't freak out. (laughs) Hey, I'm telling you, you don't have to serve your pastor. So (laughs) if you, I just lost my thought there. Serving is so powerful, but serving doesn't actually cause you to reach your dreams and reach your goals and reach the potential of heaven. It's easy to come year after year after year after year in the church and serve and serve and serve and serve and never walk in victory. Have you ever known anybody who's been in church like 50 years and they still can't get a hold of their anger problem? Or whatever. Don't even. The most powerful thing to surrender is your beliefs. Do you know, it's easy to surrender your body. It's easy to surrender your time. It's easy to surrender your money. It's easier for me to give money in the offering than to choose to change my belief system about who God says I am. So much easier. I'd actually rather write you a check than have to fight the battle that I'm enough, that I'm more than enough. And that his blood made me great. It made me powerful. It's easier for me to come in the back, allow insecurity to overwhelm my life year after year, to not write that book I'm supposed to write, to not get up and preach the message I'm supposed to preach, to not write that song, to not fill in the blank. Because I'll approach those things and instantly I have a disqualifier. When I go to the mirror and try to find my, when I try to find who I am, when I look at myself, my surroundings, and my past. Who has a past? Anybody have a colorful past? Anybody willing to admit they have a colorful past? Thank you. (laughs) See, we don't, part of the problem with our past is our past never shuts up. It never stops talking to us. It never stops reminding us of who we are, who we've been, where we've been. The experience of our life, and it hounds us and follows us. When I got saved, Jesus saved me in such a ridiculous, radical way. I mean, I had, I won't tell you that, the testimony for next time we come, but I spent an hour and a half with Jesus when I got saved. And it was just crazy. I went through three, a three-day encounter with him, just crazy, and never again. Like, that was it. It was three days, and then he was gone. And so I spent two years wondering what I had done wrong. Because I thought, I mean, I was with him 
face to face with Jesus. So obviously him and I had a special relationship. And then when he never came back that way, I lived for two years thinking that I had shamed him, I had hurt him. And so I'd go to the church and I'd cry out, what have I done? What can I do? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I didn't know anything about the Word of God. I was a pastor's kid and didn't know anything about the Word of God. <laughs> I knew all the stories, but I didn't know him. And I was sitting in school one day. Actually, I was sitting in the car. And we had this book that we had to read called Two Kinds of Righteousness. I don't know if you've read that from B.W. Kenyon. And anyways, I'm sitting in my car, and I just came across one portion of a scripture just a portion of it, and it was that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But I just saw that we might become the righteousness of God. And in a second, in a split second, the Holy Spirit wiped away all of the lies that I had thought that God had left me. I didn't realize that he had actually turned me into something else. He had caused me to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I didn't know anything about, oh, I actually have to dig into the Bible to find out who I am. All I had was this girl who would not stop following me around. I took her to church with me, and she, I'd drag the dead girl and prop her up next to me, and the worship would be so wonderful, and I was so unworthy because she would not stop reminding me of how I had failed, how I'd failed the Lord, how I'd failed my family. I mean, I actually wasn't even that bad when I look back, <laughs> but in my mind, I was the black sheep of the family. God would let me into heaven because I had accepted him, but I guarantee he had no pleasure in seeing me. There was like a tiny little cabin on the backside of glory, and that's where I was going to stay with all the other people he didn't like. <laughs> And I would seriously go to church dragging this dead person around, and I would beg God again and again to forgive her. I didn't know that she no longer existed. I didn't understand that when I accepted Jesus Christ, the old man died, that she no longer existed, and I stood in the presence of God as if sin had never touched my life, as if I had never blown it, never said a bad word, never hurt anybody. I actually stood in the presence of the Lord with the glory of Jesus Christ himself. Well, that just messes up theology. Because I can't be a sinner saved by grace and stand in the presence of God with the glory and the delight of Christ Jesus. But I have to choose one. If I'm going to stay as a victim, I will never be a victor. If I stay as a victim of my past and a victim of you and a victim of my pastor and a victim of my church and a victim of my parents and my victim of my upbringing... Victim of my gender. I mean, it never stops what you, can be a, what you can choose to be a victim of. There's always a fresh supply of lies to feed that brokenness. But God is so good. When you're in the family, you're in the family. You can be broken and unproductive in the family, but hey, you're in the family. And for some people, I mean, they're going to get through the pearly gates. And what is it, what is it Bill says? In a loincloth. <laughs> but they're there. <laughs> but we don't have to live broken because the blood of Jesus didn't just bring us to salvation. It actually caused us to become a new creation where the glory of God is supposed to reside on us morning, noon, and night. That everywhere we go, the kingdom of of God has chosen to live here, to demonstrate here, to manifest here. What a different way of doing. Hey, do you think you? Yes, I can. Why? Because God lives in me. Hey, have you ever thought about it? No, but I guarantee I can do it because Jesus Christ has taken up residence inside of me and I am limited to his limitations. 
the limitations on my life are the limitations that are on Christ Jesus. I mean, obviously, if he wanted me to be a neurosurgeon, I need to go to school. You know what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm going to just jump in a, in a plane and fly it. But if it was necessary and it's the only person there, guarantee I'd fly it and land it. Just want you to know. <laughs> if we're ever stuck and the pilot dies, then I come look for me because I am not going down. <laughs> so... Jesus, he came and he does all these amazing things. He heals the sick, cleanses the lepers. But do you know that his primary reason for coming was not to do the stuff that he did or to even show us how to do the stuff that he did? Do you know what his primary reason for coming was? Anybody? Show us the Father. His primary mission was to show us the Father, but not just show us so that we could get a picture of the Father, but so that we could know him. The children of Israel, they knew him as God. They knew him as the fearful, far away one, far away, really hard to know, really hard to please, and they're terrified of him. But Jesus comes with a, he's my dad. He's my dad. And he even made it worse. We have a friend, our pastor friend that says that, if you ever wondered why people wanted to kill him, like why they hated him so much, it was bad enough that he acted like he knew him. It was bad enough that he was like, me and God, we're on this, you know, we're buddies. And they talked to him all the time. But then he makes him his father, which already was too much for them. But then he goes and just twists it on the inside of him by calling him daddy. And he said it would be like this. And just I just want you to feel how this feels when I say some of these things, okay? Dan would be so proud. So I curled up in Daddy God's lap last night. My schmuckums, cutie little God, my huggy bear God, my dad. Doesn't it just make you want to slap me? <laughs> it's just something that just does something to the It's like, stop saying that. He's God. He is holy. Bow. <laughs> But you start talking to him in this very intimate way. It's just, ugh, makes your skin crawl. And that's what Jesus did to everybody. Nobody talked like that. And in their mind, oh, they just wanted to kill him when he began to demonstrate. But he was demonstrating, hey, this is not God that's far away and hard to know. He's God, my dad. He cares about everything that concerns me. So anyways, that's just a precursor to where we're going. So in Isaiah... 43. Um, actually, I'm not going to go there yet. You can hold your place there. We'll go there in a minute. One of the things, I said this the other day, that it's paramount to rightly understand who the Father is. To know who he is. Not just who he is and what he's done, but who he is to me. And you know, I was talking about the girl that I drugged, the dead girl that I drugged to church day in and day out. And when I finally realized that she no longer existed, it changed my identity. I only knew who I was before Jesus. I only knew about my failures before Jesus. And so I got all of my identity from her. So I'm sitting in church, but I know I'm not worthy. I have dreams and aspirations in my life, but I know I'm not good enough. I know I'm not tall enough. I know I'm not thin enough. I know I'm not pretty enough. I know I'm not smart enough. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And so all of my identity was from her. But when I got saved and I found out that I actually have to find my identity in the Word of God. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus found himself in the Word of God? Well, if he found himself in the Word of God, oh my goodness, we should probably follow suit. 
Because if I, gra- if I don't deny my, who I was, I don't deny mistakes I've made or mistakes I've currently made, but I don't draw my identity from them. I do not look back to, to determine where I'm going. I look where I'm going according to what the Lord says. He directs my life according to his words, and I direct my life by choosing to line up my thinking with what the Bible says about who I am and what I can do. So I just, I can't get away from this for a second. So my kids, I don't know if some of you have met my kids, but these are my beautiful boys. I believe with all my heart that my boys know that we love them sure we've made tons of mistakes. Anybody make mistakes as parents? Oh my gosh. I'm sure my kids will get together at Christmas later on and remind us of all those things like we did to our parents. <laughs> but when my kids need something, I will be in Sweden. This actually happened. I'll be in Sweden and one of my kids needs a coffee. Needs a coffee. Yes, needs a coffee. We are those people, yes. <laughs> And they're not in Sweden. They're in Redding, California. And they want to use my Starbucks app. Hey, Mom. I know you're like probably, it's, oh, it's just crazy. But it's just interesting to me that they do that all the time. All the time. I was just spent almost a week in Texas. Guess how many phone calls I got from kids who wanted coffee. Oh, even better, they were in World Market, and both of them were out of money. So they called me and asked if they could get a, a Japan, some kind of Japanese drink. <laughs> Which is so, to me, it's so funny because they know that I'll say yes. And it's just amazing to me. I was just thinking about this. In fact, after I hung up the phone about the Japanese drinks, I thought, what a, what a thing that my kids are not even... I mean, they're not only not afraid, but they're not even ashamed to be like, hey, mom, we're like at the drive-up at Starbucks, and weird, we have no money. <laughs> they're so convinced at my disposition to do them good that they have no fear asking the ridiculous in the most inconvenient season. Wow. I have been preaching and get a text from one of my kids wanting to use my Starbucks app is no joke. And I th- there's just something that just moves my heart. That we were talking to somebody last night, and I think it was Jesse comes to me, and we have this interrupt rule. And this is the interrupt rule. And I'm having a conversation with you, and my son wants to talk to me. He's supposed to put his hand, and this just lets me know. Hey, Mom, when you get a chance, I need your attention. They did amazing when they were little, but they get older, and pretty soon it's like, <laughs> Mom, Mom, and I'll keep having my conversation, but I'm no longer listening because I'm distracted. And if it doesn't work, pretty soon they go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse did that last night. Thank you, Jesse, for giving me a wonderful example. And I thought that was so funny. And I was like, so we've done really well at making our kids know that they're loved and belong, but we need to work on our parenting skills. <laughs> but they know that they belong with us. They know they belong in our presence. They have no problem coming to us with the tiniest, dumbest little things. Something that means absolutely nothing to anybody else, but to them in the moment, it means something. How much more does a heavenly father who says that he is so much better than us in every possible way that we being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will he give to us? 
They know they belong in our family. They know that at any given time, if they're broke down on the side of the road, that I would stop at nothing to come for them. They know if they were hurting, if something was happening, they would come to us. You know, they go through seasons where, you know, they'll tell their friends things that are going on. Maybe they'll go to somebody else. And there's different seasons that we go through with the Lord. Maybe sometimes I'm not coming to him about the hurt in my heart. I'm not coming to him, but I guarantee he notices one of the things that I have discovered that I have just been doing for years is when I know my sons are going through something painful and they're not really coming to me, they're not really opening up to me, I go to him and I say, bring somebody to them that they'll trust. Bring somebody to them. And he does. When you know that you belong, but not just belong, you know that you are the delight of the Father. Nothing stops you. No sin, no brokenness, no whatever, will stop you from running to him. But when you're not sure that he's happy to see you, you're not sure that regardless of the mess, I mean, just think about, okay, think about this. You have a baby. Anybody have babies in here? Do you know, if they just stop crying for crying out loud, maybe I would help them. They just never stop. (laughs) They make a mistake and fall down. I just want to slap them. Walk straight or don't walk at all. (laughs) It's funny how we'll be that way with the Lord. I mean, I feel like if I don't have it perfect, if I'm not living perfect, then he's no pleasure in me. He's ashamed of me. How many of you ever kicked a toddler over because they weren't walking right? (laughs) I saw somebody just go, (laughs) is that wrong? So we're not supposed to do that. (laughs) We meet them where they are. I don't expect a toddler to be able to run. I expect a toddler to get up and fall down and to take a step and fall down and to take another step and fall down. And my boss has this wonderful, just this thing he says, that when his oldest grandson, it was our very first grandson was born, and he began to take a step, his, his daughter would call him, say, Caden took a step, Caden took a step. And they would, be, they would be celebrating. They would celebrate that one step as if he had won a gold medal. And he said, never once did they say, call me when he does it perfect. I will give my encouragement to you when you do it right. Oh, you stepped out and you tried to give a word? Well, you blew it. Please don't do it again until you give it right. Wow, you're a great preacher. We all want to go home now. Never do it again. God celebrates anything that we try. A baby takes a step and we're down there going, yeah, 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 you come here, come here. You know, it's so funny. What if we realize that God does that for us? You kept your mouth shut and you didn't fight. Yes, I'm so proud of you. You are so cute. I told you you could do it. He celebrates everything about us. And when we blow it, he doesn't step back and say, when you get it right, come back to me. He steps in in our pain. He steps in in our failure. When you blow it, you know how close he is? He's right there. 
You know, we have, I think you were talking about this yesterday, but we have a tendency in the church is we celebrate perfection. I will celebrate you when you please me, and your pleasing me happens when you do it right. And you, do, and you don't cause a mess. If you cause a mess, I don't want any part of you. Well, there's no growth. Any growth is messy. Who is it that says all the time that, that graves are very perfect and orderly? But nurseries are messy and loud. But there's so much growth and so much fun and so much life. You got to step out and take risks and knowing that your father takes pleasure in who you are and celebrates your step. You know, I used to always have this thing where I'd beat myself up when I'd blow it or I'd just be something I'd go after. And, or maybe we'd get in an argument and I would have, like, that never happens, but we would, I mean, I'd get mad. I have, so, I, I have had the, I have had the ability in the past, in the past, I've had the ability to hold a pretty significant grudge. <laughs> You could do something wrong, and I could be there, like go down this far and stay good three days. Aaron used to call it the three, the three days, seventy-two hours. 72 hours. <laughs> but now I stop beating myself up because I make progress, and I'll go for days without getting angry. And then sometimes I'll get angry, and I only go this far down, and maybe I only stay mad an hour or two. <laughs> and I celebrate that because heaven celebrates me that I've made progress. Heaven celebrates you because you belong to him because he's a good father who's not demanding perfection. He's only demanding one thing. Do you believe in me? Because I'm able to make up the difference. I'm able to get you where you need to go. I am able to take you that extra mile, whatever it is. But those are the beliefs that you have to surrender because it's easier. It's so much easier to write a check, open the door, set a table, than to surrender beliefs about who God says I am. So then when you're facing, do you realize that anybody in a current struggle or crisis, any kind of current challenge in your life, thank you. Just one person, the rest of you are good. <laughs> we had a half a hand. like. <laughs> The current struggle that you're in is training ground for the influence that you're walking into. You cannot have influence in where you're going without overcoming struggle because struggle is, this is a big word, real life. Real life. It's not about the big mountains. It's not about the big giants you go after. It's how you handle your relationships right now, how you handle yourself and your beliefs when you wake up, how you handle your kids and your boss and how, I mean, it's those little things that make giants and champions. Those are the ones that are changing the world. And that's who you are. You're people that are changing the world because you're surrendering your beliefs that you are who God says you are. You know, the person that has the most hope is the person who has the most influence. Yeah. Wow. The person who has the most hope is the person who has the most influence. Because hope is the substance of heaven. It's a commodity of the kingdom of God. Hopelessness, do you realize that there is no hopeless situation? There's only hopeless people. But once people get true hope, the circumstance has to change. Because it's just a circumstance. Yeah. 
But hope is an anchor that anchors you to the immovable Christ Jesus who has victory and victory and victory. And you look for his qualifier and there is none. It's victory unto victory unto victory unto victory unto victory. I'm going with him. I'm hitching my wagon to him. (laughs) It's throwback Sunday, right? (laughs) That's actually really funny. Anybody seen that movie, um, Princess Bride? Yeah. Well, when you were, I don't know where you are, when you were singing, when you did worship this morning, I was just singing in tongues, and something came out, and it sounded like, to believe. For those of you who don't know what that is, I'm so sorry, but it was funny. (sighs) Okay, where was I? I was in church. (laughs) Church is so much fun. So, let's talk about this for a second. Are you guys okay with this? I do read the Bible. Are you guys okay if I don't give you a million scriptures? I can give you a list after church. <laughs> Jesus, well, here, I'm going to give you this one, okay? Go to Romans chapter 15. And then we'll go back to Isaiah 50, 43 in a minute. Uh, Romans chapter 15. Thank you for the glasses, by the way. It's so helpful. It's nice to be able to see. Are you there? 15 and verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read this again. Paying attention to hope. Okay? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say in believing. That you may abound in hope. Say hope. Hope. Abound in hope. The God of hope. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Abound in hope. It's interesting that he calls himself, he identifies himself. There's the word of the day. Identifies himself with hope. People are identifying themselves with a lot of interesting things these days, but God identifies himself as the God of hope. Who are you? I'm the God of hope. And I will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. What does that mean? Casting your belief in me. Casting your hope in me. Casting your care in me. Why? Because I am the one who's able to bring all things to pass. And he says that you may abound in hope. How how many of you understand what it means to renew your mind? Renew it. That means I purposely take my mind. Do you know you're renewing your mind all the time? Whatever you focus your attention on, you are renewing your mind. You are strengthening a belief system. Some people renew their mind to Netflix. Amen? I know I do. (laughs) Everybody's waiting for condemnation. I love shows. I'm sorry. But you renew your mind. What you feed on, what you feast on, what you think about and continually think about, you're casting a vision before you and you're renewing your mind and you're anchoring a faith and a hope in that. Yeah. 
And God says, if you cast your hope and your care in me, begin to renew your mind, surrender your old belief systems, you realize that you cannot consistently do what you don't believe you are. You can't consistently do what you do not believe you are. Or you also cannot ever receive what you don't think you're worthy of. And so if you're going to do something different, you have to believe something different. The Bible says that we, when Paul's talking in Corinthians, he says that we cast out, our weapons of our warfare are what? Not carnal, not natural. He says, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, we all got that. They're mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. But then he says, anybody know? What is it? Casting down imaginations. The weapons of our warfare are not natural. They're not carnal. They're mighty in God. What are they mighty to do? To cast down imaginations and everything, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. The most powerful warfare you will ever do is to cast down imaginations that go against God and who he says that you are. Who he says you are. Does no good to go do warfare against the devil when the greatest principality is happening in your head. What did I say? (laughs) It does no good to go to war against the enemy when the greatest principality is happening in your mind, in your imagination, in your thoughts. My boss said one time he was at, he had just come to a new uh, area. He had moved to go to a new church, and a whole bunch of people came to him. I mean, this is the first Sunday pastor, and he's like, Pastor, you just need to know it is hard for the gospel here. People do not love the Lord. People do not want to get saved, and you need to know this. And so he's like, oh, oh, okay, okay. And he goes home, and the Lord said, don't agree with that. If you agree with that, you become the biggest principality in this area. And it just like a slapped him across the face. And he said, because you are agreeing and you have been set as an authority over a region. And if you're declaring they don't want God, they won't receive God. You are tying the hands of the host of heaven. Instead, he said, you come in agreement with me that when they see me, they'll know me. They'll want me. They'll long for me. And so he began to say, this place is easy for the gospel. This place is easy for Jesus Christ. They're going down the street and they're thinking, what? must I do to be saved? And they begin to go through a season of massive revival in a place that had never seen revival. It wasn't a sovereign move of God. It was a smart person making a smart decision to renew their mind about the fact that it's not about you and what you see and what's happened. It's about who he is and what he wants to do and what he can do. You are so much bigger than you have any idea. So much bigger than you have any idea. There's no limitation to what the king of kings will do in and through you. Because it's never been about you and what you could do. I mean, for crying out loud, the boy brings, what is it, how much? Two and five, five loaves and two fish. He brings five loaves and two fish. He could have brought marbles. Do you understand that? 
It wasn't, oh, well, it's food, so we can multiply that. It was nothing. It was less than nothing. There's 5,000 people, and it's like, I got some lint in my pocket. It was just somebody saying, I got something. What can you do with this? That's good right there. <laughs> I'm going to take myself out to Starbucks right up. <laughs> It's never about what you can do. It's about what you offer up. I don't have anything. I just, I have this crazy picture. I got this yesterday and I'm still not quite clear, but I just had this crazy picture of even like in this area. And I don't know if it was you guys or just a hypothetical thing, but it was God saying, Go to Boone and plant a church. Go to Boone and start a church. And it's like, okay, well, I have nobody. I have no talent. I have no, which obviously is not you guys, but I have nothing. But I have this. I have this. So I'll go. And I see climbing into a container. <laughs> Look what the Lord has made. <laughs> I see climbing into a car. And as you're going, as you're going, I just saw the host of heaven. I saw all these angels girding up these, uh, like, tool bags. I saw these tool bags. And then I saw, like, a, um, what do you call one of those big semi-trucks? There's a certain name. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but anyways, there's a certain name. You see it going down the road. It's a big trucking company. But it's, we'll just call it a Freightliner. Because that's one, right? Yeah. Okay. And I just saw one after another, after another, after another. Get in line behind the one who said, I got this. Yeah. I got this. And not even aware of what was behind you. Not even aware. I just said, yes, I will go. I trust you. I'm casting my hope in you. I have no idea how you're going to bring this to pass. But the glory of it all is I don't have to bring it to pass. You're going to. I'm just going to go and do. And when you got there and parked the car, there was an army behind you. There was builders, contractors, worshipers, and singers. And I mean, it was just crazy, the idea that I saw in my head. And I thought, so is every single one of you who just says yes to who you are. I don't know how you're going to bring this about. I don't know how I'm going to start that orphanage. I don't know how I'm going to raise my kids into healthy, godly men and women. I mean, whatever it is, there's no, there's no line. Most of you, I'm sure, already know this, but there's no line between the secular and the sec it's sacred. Yeah. There isn't like God's work, which is preaching and teaching, yeah. missionary work, and then there's like, you know, counting. <laughs> Those ungodly things. You know, it's so funny. I was raised my whole life. When I got saved, I abandoned the hope that I had for what I was supposed to do, which is also another story. But then I found out that it's not the thing that you do that's holy unto the Lord. It's you. It's you. I had to preach one time, and I needed to get ready. And I think Brayden must have been a baby. And I couldn't sleep. I was up all night. He was just having a rough time. And I was up all night changing him and feeding him and getting him back to sleep. And then he's up screaming again. I think he had an ear infection. But anyways, I have this women's conference that I'm supposed to preach at. Not having any time 
to pray, not having any time to study. And I got so exasperated and I was angry. I was so frustrated. And I sat down. I was just like crying, you know, like overreacting about everything, which I say is okay to do if you need to do that. Overreact. <laughs> no problem with it. But so I'm sitting on the floor and the Lord says, why is this not a holy offering to me? Why do you think you need to get up and go pray to have an offering to me? It's you that's the offering. Oh my gosh. I'm the offering. I'm the one he wants. It's not my time on my face that he wants. It's my face. <laughs> he wants you. Yes, we have time where we draw closer to him, where we read and study the word of God. If you don't read and study the word of God, you're not going to know anything. You're not going to know who you are and who he is. But when it's you that he wants. So whether you're a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or a trash collector or maybe you just play video games. <laughs> he wants you and it's holy unto the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. Knock yourselves out. <laughs> all right. It's, uh, it's 12. So... Um, I'll say this and then hand it over to whatever you want to do. I just, the hope that is in my heart is that you'll stop for a minute today. Don't leave. Don't leave until you stop for a minute and rightly, rightly divide who he is. What did he have in mind when he made you? Do you realize that you are a dream of his? You didn't just happen because mom and dad got together or boyfriend, girlfriend got together or whatever. That was an avenue that he got you here. But you are the idea of what he had in mind. You look like what he wanted. Your personality is what he fashioned. He'll take your brokenness and turn it into the most beautiful thing. I always thought that when I gave my life to the Lord, that I didn't have to change my personality. And I was like, I'm a little bit obnoxious. I love to be loud and play. And I was raised in church where church is like, is, oh, <laughs> it just killed me. I couldn't do that. And then I found out my personality is his idea. Your personality is his idea. Go ahead, come up. I was walking out of church one day and somebody asked us to, Ask the Lord to reveal something about you, about himself that you've never seen before. So I was like, I don't know. I was kind of grumpy. And I remember walking out. I remember asking, but nothing. And then I remember walking out to the car. I'm like, I can't even think of anything. So I'm like, fine. What don't I know about you? And he said, I like candy. And it just shocked me. And I said, have you ever tasted candy? And he said, candy tastes like me. <laughs> ask him show me something about you that I don't know and you're going to find that it's the sweetness and the goodness of himself to come to you amen we hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith if you would like to visit our church check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.